1: but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hey, this is Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. This summer, I moved into a house on five acres along the Rocky Mountain Front, and I'm telling you, it is Wild. The wind, it sometimes gusts at hurricane forces. There are wolves in the mountains nearby. And like anybody who lives out in the boonies or in the backwoods knows, things are always trying to get in. We have mice in the barn, wasps that sneak in through the cracks in the window sills. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were tucked into bed when suddenly I woke up to the sound of fluttering wings. At first I thought it was just a big moth. There are a lot of moths here. I turned on the lights and it was a bat flying in circles over our bed. And before I could do anything about it, the bat found a little hole underneath a wooden beam and disappeared into the house. I want to see how many bats are living in my house. And I think there's bat, wait, bat guano on my window. I can hear them like clickety clacking. So I'm going go to go try to see if I can see him. Sure enough, underneath a loose piece of siding on my house, there was a whole colony of bats staring out at me. You can see the little bat pee kind of flowing down one shingle. There's like 20 of them in there. That's crazy. There's some kind of internal alarm that sets off when you discover a wild animal in your home.
2: It's a scene straight out of a horror film.
1: A sudden urge to batten down the hatches and wage war against the intruders. A rabid bat was found near Reed Market and 3rd Street in Bend. But... What if there's another way? Today on outside In, my new house provides the perfect fodder for a very Halloweeny dilemma. Should I send these nocturnal nuisances back from whence they came? A New
0: Hampshire man says he was surprised to suddenly feel a bite on his hand. And tonight he tells
1: Or should I embrace my inner Bruce Wayne and learn to love the bat? Stay tuned. So I should say, at the beginning of this journey, I fell squarely in the get-rid-of-the-bats camp. I grew up in a house full of bats. My mom secretly cleaned up mounds of bat poop, known as guano, from my sister's closet. They just creep me out. It doesn't help that in a lot of Western societies, bats are considered scary. The Old Testament of the Bible calls them unclean animals. In the Middle Ages, they were considered friends of the devil. And when Spanish conquistadors discovered an actual bat that fed on the blood of the living, the vampire bat, well, the image
0: stuck. Count Dracula, I am Dracula, and I bid you welcome, Mr. Harcourt, to my house.
1: But for everything that is scary about depictions of bats, there's also this sense of mystery and awe. I mean, they basically have a superpower, echolocation. They eat bugs, which is great. They even have a human mascot.
3: I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Obviously, sir.
1: So when thousands of bats take off from a cave in Costa Rica or from their roost underneath a bridge in Austin, Texas, people don't run away screaming. They flock from all over the world to watch.
3: It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> There's so many. Dude.
1: But when they're taken off from your house, it's a different story. All right, I'm going outside in the morning to clean up the bat poop on the window. I am a bit of a neat freak. There's a spider Creepy. Which is not an easy thing to be when you're living on a prairie for the first time. I wonder if I should be wearing, like, a mask or something. My wife, Christine, doesn't have this same problem. What are you doing? I'm cleaning the bat poop off the window. Oh, gross, I can see it. There's little chunks of it in there. Ew, ew, ew. up aside, I had no idea how concerned I should be. So I called up this local pest control company. Guy picked up, and he called himself, no joke, Batman Bruce. So we've got a colony of, well, there's about 20 bats um, living in the siding of our house. Um, They're outside. He told me, you do not want bats in there. They can devalue your property and make your place stink from their poop and pee. Now, he wouldn't kill them. That's actually illegal in most states. Instead, he'd just exclude them with stuff like wire mesh. I hung up and texted Batman Bruce some pictures of the house so he could send me a quote to get them out of there. Then I went online and I Googled bats in the house.
3: We've got some bats
2: nesting here.
3: They are alive.
1: And all of these pest control videos. They make bat guano sound like asbestos.
2: This stuff will kill you. Uh, It creates a lot of
1: dust We you need to be very careful. And technically, this is all true. Bat guano can carry a fungal disease called histoplasmosis.
4: 10 years ago in Pinoca, Donna Rudd found a dead bat in her basement vent and vacuumed out the droppings.
2: I had developed severe muscle pain, dehydration, um, uh, joint pain.
1: Then there's the rabies.
2: Now a dog owner discovered their pet playing with the bat and called the Multnomah County...
1: The CDC says bat bites are the number one way that people can get rabies in the United States.
2: Tonight, a woman bitten by a bat with rabies near downtown last week says she cannot afford preventative medical treatment...
1: Video after video, I found myself spiraling down an internet rabbit hole. You know how when you've got a weird cramp and you go onto WebMD and then suddenly you're worried your cramp is actually a sign that you have cancer and that you're dying? Well, I kind of did that with the bats. I was getting paranoid about guano dust, wondering how to tell if any of my house bats had rabies. But then this rabbit hole, or I guess I should call it a bat cave, it led me to an unexpected place. A country where bats aren't considered dangerous. And if they wind up living in your siding, you cannot kick them out. That's coming up right after the break. But first, we want to know, how are you dressing up for Halloween? Are you going to be an opossum? Are you going to be... Oh, I don't know, a pronghorn antelope? I don't know why I would bring up a pronghorn antelope. I'm just, they're not even a Halloween animal. Anyways, if you or someone you know is planning to dress up as an animal or some other outdoor-related costume, we would love to see it. Or if you've got any last-minute ideas, please send them our way. Our email is outsidein at nhpr.org, and we will be sure to feature them in our free
0: newsletter. Alrighty, we'll be right back. Summer.
3: Hi, Outside In. I'm Sarah calling from Tromsø, Norway. I've listened to Outside In from the very beginning in 2015. And like Russell from Denver, another listener that called in, I love the episodes where team members are making pitches and competing. The most memorable episode for me was a battle of tiny proportions, specifically Erica's story about how Joseph Dombey's doomed voyage to Philadelphia meant that the meter and kilogram standards never met, reached the US in 1794. I also have to acknowledge the annual winter episodes, which I find really amusing as someone that knows winter quite well. I've lived eight years in Longyearbyen on Svalbard, where the sun is below the horizon from the end of October to the middle of February. If you ever want to talk more about winter, call me up. I'm your woman. Thanks, Outside In, for all your great episodes.
1: You're listening to Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. I want you to imagine that you live in England. You've got a cute little cottage in the countryside, maybe even a thatched roof. But then you discover, up in your attic, a massive colony of bats. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't. Cue the scary music here. Actually, pick the happy music. Perfect. Because you aren't angry about these bats. You are elated.
4: I've lived in houses uh, a number of times that have had bats roosting in them. Um, I've been really lucky in that way to have my own private bat roosts.
1: That's Steph Holt. She's a bat specialist at the Natural History Museum in London.
4: A lot of my time I spend convincing people that bats are not scary and are fascinating and absolutely adorable.
1: (laughs) Okay, so maybe people in England are still squeamish about bats, but over there, they're protected by law.
4: Now, that means you can't kill, injure, capture, take um, any bats, but you also can't damage, destroy or obstruct their roost under the terms of the legislation.
1: It all traces back to some big changes in British society. Changes in how people farmed and how people lived.
4: We tore out huge swathes of hedgerows. Hedgerows were crucially important because bats we use hedgerows as navigational features to help them navigate around the landscape in the dark using echolocation. So that was a dramatic change. We changed how we managed our livestock using huge amounts of wormers um, in cattle and sheep, particularly. And of course, where our um, bats are insectivorous, anything which changes insect populations is going to have a dramatic effect.
1: Plus, the UK is roughly eight times more densely populated than the US. That means more cars, city lights, housing developments, the kinds of things that can destroy habitat and kill bats. Because of these changes, bats were dying left and right in the UK. Some species, like the greater horseshoe bat, saw a 90% decline in their population. So... In the 80s and early 90s, Parliament passed strict protections for bats, birds, and other imperiled species. Now, if you try and kick them out of your house, you can actually get a fine of up to £5,000 per bat. So, in England, if you do discover a bat in your attic...
4: The normal first recourse for a householder will be to get a volunteer bat worker out to come and have a look. And see if there are bats, to potentially see what bats there are, and to give some initial advice about, you know, any concerns that the householder might have. The intention really is to keep the bats in situ, keep the roost bare. Um, by and large, they're doing very, very little damage, if anything, at all, and causing next to no risk to anybody.
1: No risk to anybody. What's weird is that this flies in the face of all that stuff I saw when I was spiraling online.
2: All new at five, rabid bat warning. There
4: is a new health alert out tonight. Beware of vampire bats.
1: So should I try and get rid of them? Or should I be like the British and just leave my bat B&B as is? I was at a crossroads, still waiting, by the way, for Batman Bruce to text me back with a quote. So in the meantime, I got a hold of an American bat biologist named Susan Sang. Susan is a total bat nerd.
2: I sometimes just only watch Survivor to see what bats they have. Like, they show these shots of the wildlife, and it's a good way for me to just check which islands have what species of things.
1: Okay, so in terms of just, like, trying to be a good person with bats, like, what should I do? Like, if you were in my shoes, what would you do?
2: I mean, I'm of the mind that like if it's just, if it's completely outside in your house and it's not even anywhere near the interior of your house and it can't get in, there's no attic or anything for it to get into or anything like that. I kind of think it's okay to leave them alone because I don't really see them being harmful to people.
1: So let's talk about all the stuff that originally freaked me out about bats. For one, that guano everyone
2: was warning about? No, guano is really good, actually, as a nutrient for things. Really? Oh, yeah, we fought wars over getting guano from birds and bats, so... This is
1: true, by the way. Spain fought a bloody war over guano in South America in the 19th century, and the U.S. annexed over 100 islands in the South Pacific, all to get bat or seabird guano for use as fertilizer.
2: It's very, you know, nutrient-rich. It's full of tons of nitrogen because they're eating all these bugs, right? And then they, sh- they have the... of them in there right so they they end up being actually really really good
1: as for its health dangers guano can be dangerous but so are a lot of other types of animal poop if you eat them
2: for people like don't eat don't eat guano really is really the biggest problem i think people are worried about oh it's gonna poop on my head and it's a problem i'm like oh well birds poop on your head awesome all you do is wash it off and call it a day
1: this is something that steph holt the english bat expert told me as well She said the risk of getting sick from the droppings.
4: Again, it's very, very minor. I mean, and you you would have to be going into areas of huge volumes of droppings to create enough dust from old droppings to to be able to breathe it in anyway. And certainly in the UK, our, our bat roosts just don't get to that sort of scale.
1: Here in the US, less than a thousand people every year get histoplasmosis. And that's from both bat and bird droppings. As for rabies, again, it does happen. But we're talking three people a year in the U.S.
2: If you go up to them and you grab one, you know, for some reason, and then it feels like it is afraid, then of course it's gonna bite you because it's a wild animal that is suddenly afraid and so it has a response for just to defend itself. Um, so of course it's gonna bite you. But if you leave them alone, there's no reason for the bats to come after you in any way. So, it, you know, it's it's a coexisting kind of thing, you know?
1: Susan has worked in a lot of different countries. She says this fear of bats isn't just an American thing, it's worldwide.
2: There's a shared global modernity culture that we all have that even though in some places the traditional culture is to not be afraid of bats and to associate them with positive things, some people are not necessarily aware of that. Um, they're just like, that's a, that's a wild animal and I'm really afraid of it, okay? And, and it's because they're not used to like being near nature.
1: I count myself in this group. I love animals, in theory. I mean, I am the host of a show called Outside In, for goodness sake. But out here, living for the first time in such a rural part of the country, it feels like I'm waging a war of exclusion all the time. Like I am literally doing everything in my power to keep the outside from getting in. What I can't tell is if I need to loosen up and just get used to it, or double down and batten up the hatches.
3: Bats, oh, my God. Ugh. crazy. I
1: was looking at them with
4: binoculars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See, this is where I get it from. I was looking at them with binoculars in the light. Yeah. There's like 20 of them in there. Really? Where? Oh, on the side of the house. Oh, have to show me. Tomorrow. One night, my mom and dad came over for a campfire outside. The bats were swooping around the house, eating mosquitoes and moths. And my dad was lording over the Bluetooth speaker
3: is
0: this blue?
3: Yes. But
1: this song is important. Is this bat out of hell? Totally <laughs> I had pulled out my mic so I could complain about the bats for this story and get their take, but my dad, he was not hearing it. Aside from being a meatloaf fan, he was on the bat side. Theme <laughs> Bat Out of Hell Ranch. That's what it is, Bat Out of Hell Ranch. That'd be a good name for it, Bat Out of Hell Ranch. A few weeks after this fire, the bats actually left on their own. They migrated away as soon as the temperatures dropped. Turns out I didn't need the help from Batman Bruce. But as soon as they were gone, I realized I kind of missed them especially because of something bat biologist Susan Sang told me. Bats in the northern U.S. are in trouble. They're facing a pandemic of their own called white-nose syndrome.
2: So white-nose syndrome is a fungus that basically uh, invaded into the U.S. Uh, it, pro- it probably mutated from a fungus that was really from Europe, from and it was like on people's shoes who would do caving.
1: It strikes when bats are hibernating.
2: The fungus, what it does is basically it kind of like, takes up all the bats like you know energy but like by, you know suck them all the fat resources basically right and so the bat is like gonna wake up because it thinks like oh i'm hungry right now it's probably a spring i gotta go get some food and it flies out and it's still winter and there's no food and then they die
1: white nose syndrome has killed millions of bats in north america scientists consider it one of the worst wildlife diseases in modern times and it just popped up here in montana in 2021 and if a bat cave becomes infected with white nose the bats often don't go back. So now, instead of trying to evict the bats, I've got a new plan. I'm going to try and lure them back by building them their own vacation rental in a corner of my property. A bat house.
2: They, they look like very thin mailboxes.
1: She said if I closed up the siding of my home and I built a bat house further away, they might actually like it better.
2: It's very quiet, there's no lights around there. And so, yeah, sometimes, sometimes when bats do migrate, they'll find the new place and they'll just stay there. Or it might be a good way for you to attract even more bats because you're in the middle of a plane and there's nothing, nowhere else to live. You know, so you, you might be putting up another beacon, another bat signal for the bats to stay in this little place.
1: My plan is to build the bat house above my compost pile. That way their guano, that nitrogen-rich poop that countries have fought wars over, can eventually fertilize my garden. And they'll also keep eating all those frickin' moths and flies that keep invading my house. Because even though I'm still learning to live with nature, I am good without all the bugs. Have you ever had bats in your house? And if so, what did you do? Shoot us an email at outsidein at nhpr.org. We might even include your response in our newsletter, which comes out every couple weeks and gives you some behind-the-scenes looks at how we make our episodes. Also, you can get yourself an Outside In hat and ginkgo sticker when you donate just five bucks a month to keep the show going. That's like less than a bag of Halloween candy these days or, I don't know, the same price as a pumpkin spice latte. There's a link in the show notes. This episode was produced and written by me, Nate Hedgie. It was edited and mixed by Taylor Quimby. Our team also includes Justine Paradise and Felix Poon. Rebecca Lavoie is director of On Demand Audio at NHPR. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And even though I live in Montana, worry not, Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.